0: Hey church, welcome back, welcome back to our series. Um, This is a series we just started last week, it's called Mighty, uh, where we talk about the might of God. In fact, the reason we're doing that, if you're joining us just for the first time this week, uh, we are actually studying Luke, one of the gospels, one of the records of Jesus' life all year long, and we are at the point right now where Jesus elaborates pretty heavily on the kind of kingdom God has and then the kind of kingdom he wants to have with his people. And it's absolutely incredible. It's really fascinating to me. I love this part of, of the story of Jesus when he starts to describe God's kingdom. And that's, that's what we'll talk about today. Today's all about God's kingdom. Uh, maybe you have questions about God's kingdom. In fact, maybe you have concerns about what God's kingdom is, what it's like we're not going to address all of them today, but what we're going to do is we're going to address the most important part about the kingdom of God. Uh, it's going to be the thing, uh, according to Jesus, it's, it's the most important thing for us to remember as, uh, if, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, it's one of the things you have to know uh, b- b- before you place your trust in him about his kingdom, and most importantly, how not to miss out on it. And speaking of missing out, I have a little bit of a condition that I'd like to share with you. It's called FOMO. I'm going to teach you some slang terms today. It stands for fear of missing out, and I have it bad. If it could be clinically diagnosed, I'd probably have severe FOMO. I have a severe fear of missing out. I don't know why, I just, I just do. I do not like to miss out. And what FOMO is, is it addresses this innate desire to be included. Because nobody likes to be left out. There's something inside of us that we get this state of being anxious and in fear about missing out on the good things that are happening in life. And what I know is that in 2020, every human being at some point has experienced a fear of missing out. It has been one of those years. For, for me, my, my FOMO happens um, when people are having fun and I'm not having fun. I'll just be honest with you guys. I'm a little bit of an addict to fun. I love having fun. And I can't stand when I see people having fun and I'm not there with them, especially if they're part of my people. I want to have fun with them. I like, if you hang out with me at all, you'll know that uh, I I am 100% fine being alone, but I very much welcome a crowd. I never used to be that way, but I welcome a crowd, but only if it's a fun crowd. If it's just a bunch of negativity, I'm out the first chance I get. I probably won't ever come back, but I love to be fun. I, I like to be a producer of fun. And I like when other people produce fun that I can take part in. I soak all of it up, so much so that in high school, I, my, I didn't start going to youth group or believe in Jesus and stuff until about high, middle high school and everything. And I started to go to youth group my sophomore, junior year. I can't remember exactly, but I started to go to youth group. And our youth group did this cool stuff every year. Every summer, they would take each week, they'd do some other experience. And one thing you've got to know about me, I love it. I love experiences as long as they're fun. And they would do all these experiences, and I loved it. Well, going into my senior year, college was fast approaching, and it's expensive. So I kept my job at a major horse operation. If you're an equine person, you might have heard the name Down Under Horsemanship. It's this big ranch uh, with this famous horse trainer, and I, I worked in his rope department. I know, you're like, that sounds invigorating. Here's what I did. I stood in a place for eight to 10 hours, and I tied knots for horse halters and lead ropes. You're like, Philip, you have lived, my friend. That's all I did for the whole summer. And my youth minister, I'm pretty sure I probably could have got him fired. I think this is personally abuse of your students. He would drive by the horse ranch and he would blare the horn and everyone would like shout, hey, wish you were here as they're going by. And I'm like, oh, tying knots. That's all I did. I hate missing out on fun. And I just hate missing out in general. And I know that this year, many of us have missed out. And if, if, If you have felt FOMO before, this fear of missing out, today what I hope does is ignite something inside of you and maybe even gives you the solution to never having to endure that, okay? Because what I do know, as I said before, this year, you guys, we can unite on one thing, and that is that 2020 has been a little different. In 2020, uh, most people have experienced fear of missing out at some point because we have missed out on things Mainly because they just didn't happen. Like in our household, uh, my wife and I, we had our first child this year, and we were so excited. Like 2019, we're like, man, 2020 is going to be great. And truthfully, 2020 for us has been a lot better than um, probably a lot of people's because we welcomed our our newborn into the world. But leading up to that point, you know, when you're just the two of you, you want to take these trips in the weeks before your child gets here because everything's an emergency when you have your child and you have like no privacy or freedom and I like freedom so I'm like, babe, we gotta go do this and do that. We gotta we just gotta do stuff. And we planned some trips and they all got canceled. All of them. So what we did is settled for the next best thing, handles ice cream at nine o'clock at night, three or four nights a week for three weeks straight. Don't you judge me. You would have done the same thing. So that's what we did. And another thing we we feel like we've missed out on um, COVID really made uh, the, the, having a baby like really interesting because what we had to do, we were told like, you cannot have, and you know, there's so many varying views. We're going to trust the people that delivered the child. So we're like, what do we do? They said, listen, you should be careful anyways, but for the first two months, you really shouldn't have anyone around her that hasn't been able to quarantine for two weeks. I'm like, how can we even ask people to do that? Three people got to see her for the first several weeks of our life. And we felt like people were just missing out. Grandparents, aunts and uncles, siblings were just missing out on some of those milestones. And they wanted so bad to be a part of it. And now like thinking of sending her to daycare, like as a dad, I'm I'm little, I didn't, I knew I'd be protective. I just didn't realize how protective. And it's like, what if you miss more milestones? What if you can't, it's this fear of missing out. You felt it, haven't you? What is it for you? It may not be that. But you felt it. And maybe even right now, you feel this fear of missing out. And this year is probably one that it might be elevated a little more than others. Because whether there's a pandemic or not, a lot of us fear missing out on, if it's your job, a promotion. You don't want to miss out on getting a promotion or on taking an opportunity that might mean better pay or just more joy. You have a fear of missing out. Um, for, for a lot of parents, I know I was in youth ministry for a long time, and I, I heard parents talk about this fear that they had when they were working so much of missing out on the kids' sporting events, these, these, uh, these things that they could do, their graduations, stuff like that. You don't want to miss those moments, especially as it gets closer to that child leaving. You're like, parents just really don't want to miss out. You have this fear of missing out. And for a lot of people, it's when you bury someone that you love. Every time that's happened in our family, I always stop and think, and and I know you've done this too, of the times that you wish you would have not missed out on, the times you wish you could reclaim, the times you wish you would have been there when you weren't able to. We have a fear of missing out no matter if there's a pandemic or not. It's just part of who we are. You know, we chase the American dream because we want to experience all that life has to offer. Oftentimes we give our American culture a bit of a bad rap but when it comes to fear of missing out, we're kind of designed that way, not in the way that most pursue it in America, but we are literally designed to not miss out, especially when it comes to the goodness of God, especially when it comes to the goodness of God and the things that God has in store for his people, we are literally by design if you read the very beginning of Genesis, designed to not miss out on the goodness and the fullness of life that God, only God, provides. But we do so all too, all too often. Um, instead of a fear of missing out, there's many of us who intentionally miss out. Even if we follow Jesus or not, it doesn't really matter. A lot of us intentionally miss out because we'll pursue things that we think are better than God's best. And then there's, there's often many of us, and, and I know you've been there, I've been there, where we unintentionally miss out on God's best because we never got it when it was taught or no one ever even showed us what the best was and we missed it and, and we're designed to not miss it. For many followers of Jesus, I find this really ironic that as for a people who are designed to never miss out on things, on the goodness of God, we do so all too often. We miss it. We miss God's kingdom right here, right now, and what he's doing and how he's moving. We miss it all too often. But today is a hopeful message because today we're gonna talk about how we can never, ever miss it again. But for many followers of Jesus, we get distracted. And dare I say, we even over-identify oftentimes with things that have no business of informing that relationship with Jesus. Things like unhealthy spirituality, rugged religion versus a deep and intimate relationship with God and other people, opinions over loving others across the dividing line. We over-identify with many things. I do it, you do it. We can agree that we get distracted. So how? How do you make sure you never again miss the goodness of God? How do you make sure you, you gain perspective among the noise? What happens when we actually see, are able to see the goodness of God? So what I'll do is I'll just give you the solution up front. Then you can, you can nap or if you want, you can tune in and we're going to see why this is the solution and what it means for us who follow Jesus through the stories he tells today. So here's the solution, just right up front. In order to make sure you never miss out on the goodness of God, you have to do this. Be unbelievably intentional about all that God is doing around us, through us, for us, and for others. I'll say it again because it's so, so important. To not miss out on the goodness of God, we have to be unbelievably intentional about all the things God's doing around us, through us, for us, and for other people. There it is. Now, I'll show you why in our story today. God's kingdom literally cannot be missed. And here's why I know that. The stories that we read today, it's, I think this is the shortest um, text I've ever preached on. It is four verses long. Now, that doesn't mean we'll be done in four minutes, but it's two stories. That's it, two parables which are just short illustrative stories that Jesus uses to teach a significant thing. But what you got to know about Jesus, when he goes into parable mode, you need to pay attention. Every time he says something is like, or he says, or the text says he tells them this parable, we have got to dial in because Jesus taught that way. Some of the most invigorating, life-changing life, all, all that, it's in parables. And Jesus tells two parables, they mean the same thing. And the reason he tells them was he sensed that the crowd present missed what just happened. They, miss, they were missing the presence of God. They were missing God's show off his power. And they were missing the most important thing about the kingdom of God. Because this, these parables come on the heels of an event. And Jason, our youth minister, preached on it last week. This woman is healed all of a sudden miraculously by Jesus on the Sabbath day, a sacred day of rest. And Jesus senses right after. I can picture his face. He looks around and he realizes there are many people around who just missed what just happened. They completely overlooked the fact that God's kingdom was here and that there is something very true and very life-changing about the kingdom of God and the power that Jesus was displaying. And maybe, maybe you have also missed it. I know I have. I know I still do, even though I know what it is now. I, I still miss this. For those who are missing what is happening, Jesus tells them this parable. And we're in Luke 13 again verse 18 He said therefore what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it it is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air may nest in its branches so think of the scenario he just heals this woman Many people were overjoyed, praising God. They couldn't believe what just happened for this woman. But then there's other people, his opponents, who were humiliated. In the midst of those opposing views, there's a lot of chaos. And in the middle of that chaos, Jesus tells them this parable. He tells them what the kingdom of God is like. But it's actually not about the mustard seed. Some mistakenly think it talks about how the mustard seed grows in this big tree. No, the the point of the parable is the end. The tree is there what's nesting in its branches, the birds of the air. Why is that so significant? This is so huge. Many people who were present, most of the people who were present, were of the Jewish heritage um, that that were there with Jesus. They were God's chosen people. And they thought in that day that the kingdom of God was only going to be for them, it was completely, exclusively for the chosen people. And what Jesus does in this parable is he says, You've got to understand what's happening the doors are literally swinging open on the kingdom of God. And it is open to every tribe, every nation, every background, every person, color, heritage, wherever, it is open. And they were missing it. It, He's saying, if you will nest on the branches, meaning if you will place your trust in Jesus, live his teachings, follow him, share him, your place is in the kingdom with the tree, in the tree. It is so incredibly important for us to remember that, but we forget it sometimes. He's saying, "What you just saw me do for this woman, you you haven't even, you don't even know what's going to happen." It, the kingdom is here and it's open to all. Our our first takeaway from this first parable is to recognize, in church, we have to recognize this: how inclusive the kingdom of God really is. How how there are literally people who can disagree on things that will share the kingdom of God and do share the kingdom of God. It is inclusive. There are people who look nothing like us, who speak nothing like us in this room, who will share the kingdom of God. It is open to all who will call on his name. And oftentimes we divide up, don't we? Humans are really good at dividing up. We divide across parties, we de- divide across um, even what, what technology to use, the mode on which to, to sing worship, we divide across opinions, denominations even, we divide. And what oftentimes happens is we divide ourselves who follow Jesus from those who don't. And as Paul says, Paul writes a lot of the New Testament letters, he tells us, if nobody goes, how will they ever hear if you don't go, we can't divide. We have to recognize the church is open to all, even those who don't like you, who think differently than you, to all. This parable, it also secures the fact, and I love this, that the mustard seed, it, it, it became a tree. He's saying to this group of people, the kingdom of heaven's going to come whether you like it or not. The kingdom of heaven is is here. It is a tree. It is here. It is firm. It is rooted. And I want you to be part of it. It's going to succeed. We follow Jesus. We follow something that is succeeding. Something that is life-giving. Something that isn't just hopeful dreams. It's a reality. So let's not miss it. And we have a part to play in helping people nest in the branches of the tree to help people see how what God is doing around them, through them, for them, and for other people. But Jesus isn't done yet because if you're like me and like this crowd, and I'm willing to bet we probably are, we need told more than once. I'm a little slow sometimes in learning lessons, especially when people are pointing out something that is a weakness of mine. I don't like to admit that. So sometimes I need told again, and Jesus understands this. He knows people so well. He knows me so well. He knows you so well. And he knew the crowd so well. So here's what he does. He goes right into another parable. He doesn't stop there. To those who still don't get it, (laughs) and I wonder how many of us would fall into that camp right now, to those who still don't get it, he says this. What shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I don't, I don't bake. My wife's a really good baker. I eat what she bakes, but I don't, really, I don't really bake. But what I do know is that leaven is something you put in. It's not naturally found in dough. You put it in, and it makes it rise, right? Am I right on that? I think so. Don't worry. I fact-checked it before I came just to make sure. All right? But I know that's what it does. And the thing is that a little bit goes a long way. It permeates it, it, everything. It goes everywhere. Why is that so significant? It's the exact same story, just told in a different way. Jesus is telling these people that there is something that's not naturally there. Remember, they thought it was just for them. The fact that Jesus includes sinners in his mission is just like that leaven that will work its way through the entire kingdom. You and I should be really thankful that he includes sinners in his mission. We really should. And, and it blows the doors open on what they thought the kingdom of God was like but it was God's mission all along and it will continue to spread and it will not let up. It will touch literally the ends of the earth. God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is is alive and well and we get to be a part of that and we get to be a part of helping other people. Sinners like us, we have to quit being afraid to call sin, sin and, and understand that he's calling us to that repentance. He's calling us to life in him. Jesus is essentially saying this and I love this. The people there were really, we would call them very religious people, like very hardcore. You have to do this, 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 or you won't inherit this, this, this. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is going to violate hardcore religiosity because there is too many people in this world to have it just, just for you to think just this way. It's open to all who will call on my name and live out my teaching to love others well. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's inclusive and liberating and just like the leaven in this story. Jesus is setting in motion and it's still happening today. He's setting in motion a process that is going to completely change Judaism in that day. And it will eventually completely change the world as it has done in our present day. And it will continue to do so. His, mis- his mission is to rescue those who are oppressed the marginalized, those who have no hope. And, and there's one last thing about this parable. I don't really know if he meant to do this, but Jesus was a pretty intentional guy. Um, so this is, these are my, there's some commentators that would agree with me on, on this, but I just can't help but wonder. If you look in the text, the amount of flour, the amount of dough this woman is baking, it's 60 pounds. Who does that? Unless you need the carbs. Like, you don't make 60 pounds of dough unless you're expecting a party. And you know me, when I think party, I'm like, am I invited? Can I have some fun? So here's here's my thoughts. I wonder if this alludes to the fact God's kingdom is going to spread to include so many people we won't even even fathom. It's the celebration we're all going to have. At the fact that there are people we never thought would make it. I think I'm one of those that people are going to be like, how on earth did you make it? And we get to celebrate that. It's incredible. Listen, though, those of you who follow Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus, I want you to just listen in for a moment and, and think, think about this with me. What if we haven't even begun to see the lives that are going to be changed because of the good news of Jesus? doesn't matter how young or old you are. What if we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the lives that are going to be impacted from this good news? Listen, this year, people need that even more than ever. And we get to share that with them. I don't know about you, but that fires me up. That is a party with my name on it to help people understand that there is hope beyond disagreement Beyond confirmation bias, there is hope beyond all that that transcends anything we can understand. And we get to help other people understand that. What if we haven't even begun, church, to see how big the church is actually going to be? I think heaven's going to be a lot like a megachurch. So if you don't like a megachurch, you'll be disappointed with heaven because there's going to be a lot of people we never even have met or heard of that are there. But those of you who don't, those of you who don't follow Jesus, you would not consider yourselves a church person. Maybe you maybe you say you are, but you know. You know that you're living pretty far from God's best. Maybe you used to and you don't anymore for whatever the reason. When I was, when I was there, because I did not grow up in church, but when I was there, it blew my mind when I started to understand, when people started to describe to me, and it was described to me this way that Jesus literally came and died just for the chance I would accept. Just for the chance I would say, yes, I'll follow. I think someone once told me, I forget who it was, but someone once told me or they told someone around me that heaven's just not complete without them. That just really resonated with me. Who am I that heaven wouldn't be complete without, without me, without, without you? He, he wants his children. But the sad thing And we're going to talk about this next week, so do not miss next week. But the sad reality is, according to Jesus, the road is narrow and few will find it. Yes, there will be a lot of people in heaven, a lot of nationalities, people, areas of the world we would never expect. But few still find it. So how can we make sure we never miss all that God is doing around us, through us, for us, and for others. And that's where our message lands us today. We have to end with these four areas. Let's start with around you. How can you be unbelievably intentional about what God's doing around you? You guys look around. There, there is darkness, yes, but why do we fixate on it? When there is so much good, if you look, this is a year where God's people have done some stupidly and crazy things for the kingdom of God. And it's worked. There are stories that don't get told enough because they get drowned out by the negative voices. Tell those stories. Look around you and see what God is lining up for you and I to do as followers of Jesus. What a time for those who preach unity to practice unity as, as this year. What a time. Look at what God's doing around you and take advantage of it. Be a part of that. What about through you? Oh, you guys, think about what God is doing through you. You've got to be so intentional about this. You may may think and you may be here thinking, I've missed it, and that there is no way God could do anything through me. You are wrong, my friend, and I mean that. If you were to sit down and read from cover to cover our English version of the Bible, you would see story after story after story after story of people whose age, their past, their mistakes, their gender, nothing mattered because of what they could do through the might of God. Even people who couldn't even speak, God made, speak well, God made them the mouthpiece for his kingdom. I'm still blown away. I am not... Uh, I, People have said, like, you know, that I look comfortable when I preach, but I have to tell you, I never dreamed that God would use me in this way. I did not want Him to. And the the thing, I would never know really how many people are actually listening, <laughs> but the fact that I get to stand so often and preach from something that has changed my life about a man who changed my life about Jesus fills me with such joy. And you guys all have that same potential. I could look around a room and I could see all the negative. But you know what? I think all the negative things in us, even if they're true, they're just covering up the real beauty that's there. Because when I look around a room like this, and this goes for you who are online, I see a room full of potential. I see a room full of world changers. If we will but be unbelievably intentional about what God can do and is doing through us, rise up, people be encouraged. What about what God is doing for you? Think about all that God is doing for you. Now, that's one that's hard for me, and it might be hard for you. You might think, there's no way. I I, I just don't see it. I just don't see what God's doing for you. Look, I, I felt that way. There are so many things in my life, though, that I was pursuing, and at the time, I thought it was God's will, and I look back, and I think, I am so very grateful, God, that you did that for me, and you broke that off, or you ended this, or you whatever, because I can't even believe what I get to come home to, who I get to see when I speak, this area I get to live, and the stories that our staff has been able to hear. I feel like God's done that for me. He's let me be able to speak and preach. What's He done for you? He has done things, many things. Look, it's okay <laughs> to see what God's done for you, it's incredible. We're really good at praying for God to do stuff for us, but sometimes we miss when he actually does. And then lastly, and here it is, we have to be unbelievably intentional about what God does for other people. Here's where this fear of missing out can get a little ugly. When we look at other folks and we see the way God's blessing them, and instead of rejoice, we lament. Instead of be thankful for that, we wish he would have done that for us kind of our nature. Like man, I wish I could do that. I wish I, comparison is a losing game, my friends. What if we what if we changed it a little bit though? What if we were to look at other people and celebrate what God's doing for other people but also help them recognize what God's doing for them? Can you imagine what that kind of world would be like? If Followers of Jesus worked so hard, not just to, for God to do stuff for us, but help other people see what God's done for them and then celebrate it, celebrate Technically, we're a people who should be able to party really well and celebrate with people. So let's do that. You guys, if, if, you're, if you're even listening, like I said, I really never know. I hope you're encouraged today. I hope you're encouraged and that you decide you're never going to experience fear of missing out because you are too invested in the action to miss out on the action. That's what I want for my life, for to be someone who is so invested in the action, I never miss out on it. And I hope you want to be as well. Because I'm telling you, God's kingdom is alive and well, and it's moving, and it's doing some crazy, incredible things, even in the midst of great darkness. And I think if we can shine a light on those things, that darkness is going to turn tail and run because it loses, because the light overcomes the darkness. And I don't care what you think about yourself or about other people, but you have that same light inside of you. Stop hiding it, and shine it. Because my goodness, you guys, you have such incredible potential. We all do. We are the church. And we have one job, to grow it. So let's do that. Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, Thank you that you even are able to let... um, us read your word, that we're able to, that that people have allowed us to open it up and to study it. God, I thank you for the courage that it takes for those all across the world to still come out, even in the midst of all the pandemic and being concerned what people are going to think if you do something or don't do something. People are still here. People are still listening. And I thank you because that takes courage, God. I pray that you would Initiate a wave in this church. A wave that will see all that you're doing around us, through us, for us, and for other people. Help us to be a congregation that helps other people see that. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. God, grow in our hearts. Let us recognize that we don't have to pray for you to be here. You already are. Let us not miss your kingdom because your kingdom has come and it will always be here and we will grow it because you have charged us with that command. So we thank you and in your name we pray, amen.